Good morning, people. This is your host, Mr. Tyler, and today we have another wonderful panel. Uh, this is the Black Pill Radio Show. I'm glad you guys are listening in. We do not take calls, so if you guys have any questions, please go into the chat room, and you can access any questions you like, make statements, and we will pass that around the panel. I'm going to have the panel introduce themselves. We have four lovely ladies that will be on the panel. One is running a little late, so we'll bring her into the show a little bit later. But right now, we're going to introduce you guys to our first three panelists. Today's topic is about women with a cause, right? And these ladies are going to be talking about some issues that they're very passionate about, that they feel they might we, we might need some change in, and we'll get deep into that. And then a little bit later in the segment, we're going to be talking about some issues on a social level and get these women's comments and opinions about them. But first, we're going to let them introduce themselves. So I'm going to start with the lovely Tony. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tony Coleman-Brown, and I am the founder of the Network for Women in Business. And one of the things that I am passionate about is helping entrepreneurs to market and promote their businesses. Our motto for the network is that we educate to elevate women entrepreneurs, and our mission is the, to train, connect, and advance women in business. Hi, <clears throat> so I'm, my name is Layla, and uh, I'm the president and founder of Beyond the Box Initiative at Columbia University, which is a student organization for students who are impacted by mass incarceration. I'm Patricia Wilson, and I am, sorry, I'm the um, owner of Sojo Me Creations, recently known as So Me Creations. And what I like doing is bringing um, awareness to different causes through my creations, and I like bringing joy to others through the things that I make. So that's something that I'm passionate about. Okay, and our fourth panelist just walked in the room. So you might hear her very shortly. We're going to let her get herself settled in. Um, just bring that mic close to you. All right, so I just want you to introduce yourself briefly, and then we're going to get into the show. Thank you for having me. My name is Trisha O'Connor. I'm a real estate professional. I'm licensed in New York and New Jersey. I'm the owner of Real Estate O'Connor. I teach real estate at Medgar's College. I sit on the New York State Board, appointed by the governor that... Um, regulates the rules and regulations for real estate professionals across the country, and I speak nationally. Excellent. So as you see, we got a diverse panel here today, and we're going to talk about some of these issues, some of these topics that they are passionate about. We're going to start with Tony, and Tony, tell us a little bit more in depth about what you do, what your issue is, what your cause is that you're fighting for. Okay, so basically, I am fighting to help entrepreneurs to get more visibility on the internet and beyond, online and offline. Our platform is an educational platform at the Network for Women in Business, and what we do is we invite experts to come in and share their expertise to help entrepreneurs to grow their business. We also host annually a small business boot camp for women, which also helps entrepreneurs to learn how to market and also learn how to sell. One of the things that I'm passionate about is technology. I'm passionate about social media and a lot of people call me Tech Teacher Tony because I help them to grow their businesses online. Um, one of the things we also do is host a workshop called the Online Marketing Mastermind and the problem that I am trying to solve is I am trying to solve 
uh, trying to keep businesses from going out of business is what I should say. And I do that through uh, teaching them how to market and how to sell. And without those two things, most businesses fail. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about what I do. So who's your target audience? Like what people, what demographic are you trying to reach? Uh, Primarily women entrepreneurs. Women that are aged 35 to 55 is my primary market. And is there any ethnicity, race demographic with that? Um, I predominantly uh, get a following of African-American women because I'm an African-American woman. But to be quite honest with you, I do attract a diverse audience of women entrepreneurs. A lot of them are solopreneurs, so they haven't scaled their businesses up. Uh, And that's also one of the things that I help them to do. So if they wanted to work with you, meet you, get some advice from you, so you can help them, how would they go about doing that? They can reach me a couple of ways through my websites. It's primarily one, uh, networkforwomeninbusiness.com. Also through my personal website, tonycomanbrown.com. So all that information that we're giving out to you guys today, if you don't get an opportunity to write it down, if you're not in a position to write it down, it will be listed on the website. Um, so you can go to the website. We're currently creating a resource page where people can find our authors, our business professionals, um, any advice we're giving on the show, you'll be able to contact the guests and connect with them. So we're going to move it along on to Layla. So tell us what your cause is and why you are passionate about it. So I want to change the world, basically. (laughs) No, but um, my passion is uh, to help formerly incarcerated student people go back to school and obtain an education um, because research has demonstrated that the higher the education level, the less likely people are to return to prison. So I'm really passionate about helping uh, have people, you know, encourage people to go back to school. And the reason why I'm so passionate about that is because I'm formerly incarcerated and I've seen how much education has changed my life. So... So how has that affected you? How has my incarceration impacted me, or how has education? Well, your cause is being a box, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of my causes, but that's, yeah, that's right now that's my, that, that, that's my fight at the moment. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about that fight, right? Mm-hmm. That's, your, that's the one you're dealing with now. So it's being the box. What is that about? So I started a petition uh, to have Columbia remove the box from the application because Ben, so the box is, for those who don't know, it's the question that asks people to disclose whether they've had uh, criminal history. And when people, when people who have been impacted by mass incarceration run into that question, we automatically assume that we're not going to be accepted. So it's a barrier to continue with the application. So my fight is to have that... To, to have that removed so that people don't run into that barrier when they're applying for, for school. All right. So that, that box is not only on college applications, but it's on a lot of other applications, right? So we're looking at housing, employment, yeah. and whatnot. And I'm sure we all have family members or people we know that have been incarcerated, mm-hmm. convicted felons or whatever. Um, so I know that's very important. And it's been our experience that, for the most part, when we run into that question, some people don't even look at the application. It doesn't continue. The process doesn't continue. So 
obviously Columbia does accept students who are impacted by mass incarceration because I'm there and there are other students who are there, but there's no way for the person who's applying, and if they don't know of me, of other people who are there, they, they just think that that's a way to, to, to keep us out. So the box discourages people from even applying, mm -hmm. right? So I know, I think in Maryland or maybe Baltimore, but I know in Maryland, they, Maryland they, yeah, they're eliminating recently. that. Um, some other states have eliminated that, but New York State has not. No, I'm currently trying to uh, work with some senators to see if we, just in case, because, and not only just in case, because, right, I do want Columbia to remove the box, but I also want other schools, because SUNY and CUNY does not ask the question anymore, because uh, SUNY is starting this year, they're removing the question from the application, but private institutions do. So I'm trying to work with some senators to see if we can have a bill passed similar to the one in Maryland. So to our audience members out there, <clears throat> we definitely want you to contact your senators, your local representatives to try to get this cause of banning the box fulfilled. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want to discourage people who have served their time to society. When they come home, they should be free to pursue liberties and happiness like everybody else. And if we keep the stigma on them that they got to check all these boxes and go through all these extra hoops that other people do not have to go through. It really doesn't seem like it's fair. All right, so that's one of the causes that we really want to talk about, and we are going to come back to that. But now we are going to move on to Miss Patricia. So, Patricia, tell us what your cause is and why is it passionate to you? So my cause, um, well, th through my business, I like, to, um, I like to motivate and encourage my friends and bring more of awareness so it's it's I, I think it's kind of like of course but it's more of bringing awareness to other people's i don't want to say problems or issues but just use my creations to help them so for example one of my good friends she was suffering from crohn's and colitis for a while when my good friends from school and nobody knew and she opened up about it around the time that i had started my business so um a way that I was able to help was to, you know, make pins for her and and just, like, pe people like eye-catchy stuff. So I decorate stuff. I, I put bling on pretty much everything. So it's kind of a way for me um, to use my eye-catching creations to help others. So, like, for instance, excuse me, um, for instance, I'm in the arts, so I went to school for music originally, and I have a lot of friends who are like in bands, they sing, and my thing is people get discouraged, especially young people, they get discouraged very fast when they want to like pursue a goal or pursue a dream. So my thing that I like to do is to keep people motivated and, and to keep them wanting to pursue their goals, because me, myself, when I started my business, I got discouraged easily. and. People love getting gifts, <laughs> like all year round. It doesn't have to be a holiday. People love getting gifts. People love to know that you see them working. So another friend of mine, she's she's um, pursuing music. She sings, and she's been you know working at it for a while. And um, I just I just I don't know. There's so many different things that I've been doing since I started. Um, I've I've been helping bring awareness to breast cancer. Breast cancer survivors, one of my friends, my best friend, her mom is a breast cancer survivor. So every year she does the walk. I try and do something special for her. I have another friend whose mom um, 
she, she suffers from lupus. So my thing is pretty much bringing awareness to different illnesses that people may suffer from. You might have a friend who, who, um, whose family, whose family is um, suffering something and you, and, you, and you won't know it. So I just like, I just like encouraging people to talk more about it and how they're getting over it and how, you know, how it may be affecting their family, but they're still, they're still living day to day, you know, doing what they have to do, getting up, taking care of their kids, going to work and stuff like that. So like my, I don't, I don't know, like it's, it's more of making, it's like bringing joy to others through the things that I make. So they may be going through something or they, they may be, um, they may be suffering from something, but something as simple as like a nice little centerpiece on their table with a vase will, you know, help them get through that or help them want to continue fighting or um, pursuing their dreams and stuff. So that's, I just like to motivate people and to keep them inspired. So what's the name of your business? It's Sojo Me Creations. It's S-O-J-O-M-I Creations. So it's, we're formerly known as Tomi Creations, but since I have a you know another little one on the way, I've decided to change the name, and plus I'm rebranding. So, but that's pretty much what where where my heart is at. I like to keep people motivated. I like to help people bring awareness of something that's passionate about them. Because as you can see, I'm passionate about a lot of stuff. So it's it's hard for me to keep up with my stuff. But if I can help somebody else express themselves through their voice or through a piece that I make or something, then to me that's, you know, that's something that, 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 that'll make a change. So. so I know when we spoke off, off the record, you were talking about like each month you're going to start doing yeah. a special brand, a special product, right? Yes. That will go towards whatever that month is. So mm-hmm. if it's breast cancer awareness, lupus, AIDS, Yeah, autism. So um, April was autism, and, and I had ribbons and stuff out. Um, I did the lupus for my friend. Her, um, they, like, so I'll, I'll make a batch of pins. I'll give them to her, and she'll sell them, and they'll use that to actually have more people, have more people join the walk or raise money for, you know, um, for research and stuff. So if I can't go out and, you know, raise money myself, at least I know I can use my talent and my skills to help them raise money so they can bring awareness to a cause that's passionate to them. So I try and dedicate each month and, you know, spread it out. And I go based off of mainly what my friends and what people close to me, like what what they're going through. (coughs) So that's how I pretty much pinpoint exactly what I'm going to focus on. And Patricia is a small business owner, and we definitely want to buy black. And <laughs> Patricia is a young black woman. She's a millennial. So for people who want to find your products, um, where would they go? They would go, um, I, have, um, I have Instagram, Facebook, and a website. But the website is the easiest place to find me. It's Sojomi Creations. It's S-O-J-O-M-I Creations, spelled exactly how it sounds, .com. So you can find me there. And then there's also um, different links where you can find my friends, um, Sounds for a Cause, her nonprofit organization that, you know, I contribute to and stuff. So you'll, you'll find everything there. <laughs> All right. So that's a long name. It's probably hard for some people to spell. It will be 
in the description yeah. box. It will no, be on the website and the resource page, which we hopefully will have up this week. So you guys can definitely go there and purchase the product, support black businesses, support Afro-Latino businesses, because that's what we do here at the Black Pill Radio. So now I'm going to move on to a similar name, Trisha, because we just heard from Patricia. So now we're going to hear from Trisha, and she's going to tell us about her cause and why she's passionate about it and how it came up. Good morning again. I just want to commend you ladies on doing great things. Um, in fact, Councilman Member Jumani Williams in my district, he got rid of the box for jobs. So now... I was talking to Jumani oh, about the... He's yeah. going to help. He's great. someone that's supporting me. Oh, sorry. Great. <laughs> yeah, Jumani, Jumani's dope. <laughs> and um, go ahead. No, sorry. It's just that I was away from the mic. But yeah, Jumani's one of the people that's on board with helping me. Um, that's great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm all, I just became a MWB certified, um, so women in business enterprise, so now I can bid on uh, city contracts. Um, I'm passionate about home ownership, so, you know, I took my, I've been doing real estate for 18 years, and I took my course with my mom 18 years ago. And she sat in a room with me. She never became licensed, but she said, if I knew then what I knew now, I would have never bought our house. Because she realized how much she did not know when she was purchasing the home. And how many people probably scammed her and lied to her. And from that, I realized I was really on to something. Uh, and then my dad said, every brick in a house is worth a bar of gold. So I'm really... Out of my community, I mean, yes, I'm a real estate broker. I help people sell houses, buy houses, rent, rent, do commercial. But I'm really big on maintaining home ownership within the communities. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. There's a lot of people right now. There are 30,000 people facing foreclosure in New York City alone, a third of that being in Brooklyn. And that's happening across the country. That's just not New York City. New York City right now has 60,000 people homeless uh, and that's just a shelter. That doesn't count the people who are living in the trains on the streets or just like sleeping on someone's sofa. So, you know, our people shall perish because of lack of knowledge. I teach real estate at Medgar Evers College. So from all angles, I'm just trying to bring my knowledge, my experience, and anything I can to help maintain and build home ownership in the communities. So do you think it's government's job to provide homes for people who are homeless. Um, you know, we have like public housing, we have Section 8 vouchers, which is there to assist people and help people. But it seems like everything is private industry and the government really isn't involved too much in building homes for homeless people. You're touching on a, on a real touchy subject because right now I could tell you, and I'm not afraid to say it, the mayor in the city is not geared towards permanent housing for people. What they're giving us is temporary housing because that's how they think of us. Giving us temporary housing, you gotta remember, <clears throat> when people came back from World War II, um, they put the rent stabilization laws in place because it was a shortage of housing and the people who did have, landlords who did have housing was raising the rent. So they made, created rent stabilized housing. Now, it's, it's, it's almost, impossible to get someone out of rent-stabilized housing because you have to renew their lease unless they can't pay. You do have some landlords who are trying to buy um, tenants out. 
So the way the city is thinking is they're saying, we're no longer going to put them in permanent housing. We're going to put them in a shelter. It takes 48 hours it takes to remove someone from a shelter, and no law, no, no court is involved. So by putting people, people are living in, in shelters for two, three years. So, you know, Medgar's College, behind Medgar's College, they just built a 100-unit shelter. They could have made that dormitory. They could have made that senior housing. They could even have made that low income. They made that shelters. Exactly. They're not going to put us in permanent housing because at the end of the day, within they, the city has a plan to get all low-income people and middle-income people out of New York City. So why put them in permanent housing if they're, they're just... No matter what borough you live in, when you go home today, count how many storage companies you see. This, the purpose of the storage company is to hold the temporary housings, the people who live in temporary housing, their belongings. The city pays the shelter bill. But they I mean, pay, not, not pays the shelter bill. They do pay the shelter bill, but they pay the storage unit. But, mm -hmm. So just imagine a storage company is getting a direct check from the government. That storage unit, my belief, is that they're going to take those storage units, they're going to milk them until they can no longer milk them anymore, and they're going to wait for the city to change the zoning, and then they're going to gut the storage units and turn them into affordable housing. One more thing. This, the shelters are paid $3,300 a month per occupant per occupant in those shelters, okay? Most of them don't even have any services after school, dance service, nothing, okay? They have counselors to make sure you come in so they're getting paid. However, that same family of three who the city is paying that shelter almost $10,000 for will only give them a voucher for $1,500 for a three-bedroom. So you talked about it's trying to move poor people out of New York City. Most poor people in New York City are black people some Latino people. Absolutely. So would you consider this a form of ethnic cleansing? That's that's what that's what it's coming to. The the last the articles within the last week, the last week that I've posted on my Facebook are crazy. However, I must commend um, <clears throat> Governor Cuomo, the senator the senators, um, because they put together I believe it's a twenty billion dollar plan to do home ownership and that just came out. So I'm very happy for that because I believe that is like gonna overshadow everything. However, it didn't to touch too much on foreclosures because we're not gonna help the system, the foreclosure market, the homeless market if we don't touch on the foreclosures because there are 30,000 homes in foreclosure and it didn't touch on the veterans. So those are the two things that, but me sitting on the state board appointed by the speaker and the governor, I'm gonna do what I can to push myself to have a seat at the table to bring that awareness to it. Can I add something? Because sure. you, you said we have Section 8, and we no longer have Section 8, only the people that already had Section 8. So there's no new Section 8. Right, they're not giving out new Section 8 no. vouchers, but the people who have them, you know, it's They have assistance. them, yeah, but, right. but what about those of us who don't? Right. And right, they're willing to pay 33 hundred for people in shelters but what about those of us who probably have an apartment and want to keep it and can't afford the rent or whatever they don't the, yeah right so i want to give a shout out to jason black of the black authority he had a he has a wonderful documentary called gentrified um ethnic cleansing and i recommend you guys pick up a copy of that i saw a screening of it at in brooklyn and it was really strong really powerful and they were talking about real estate and what's it called again it's called Gentrified Ethnic Cleansing. 
and it's by Jason Black from the Black Authority. And I recommend you guys really pick up a copy on, on the DVD as I'm coming out pretty soon. Um, and you guys will learn a lot. There's a lot of information on that DVD, and it's going to teach you guys about how to get into home ownership, um, the money that's out there for first-time home buyers, and that kind of thing, which could possibly go away under Trump. So we, we definitely want to be on top of those things. And guys who are listening in, this is what we talk about when we have people on our panel talking about a cause that's very important because every cause that was mentioned here is very important. So what I want to do is I just want to go around the table a little bit. We heard everybody's cause. So I want each of you to tell me about someone else's cause. So I'm going to start with Tony, right? And we know your cause was dealing with tech and teaching women about tech and entrepreneurship through tech. And that's very important. But if you had to select one of these causes to piggyback with your tech program involved with the teaching people from from the band the box movement who are formerly incarcerated or your tech program could be involved with teaching women who have breast cancer or autism or your tech program could be teaching people in the shelter system. Right. So we can all intermingle our programs. You may not have thought about this, but if if you could put you on a spot, where would you move your program that you think you can help? Well, I believe that my program could help all of the causes because one of the things that I can help each and every one of these women with is increasing their visibility and reach on social media. Social media is the new platform, it's the new media, it's the way everybody is receiving their information. Most people are not watching television anymore. Television used to be the big media, but now it's social media and digital media. And when it comes to getting the word out about causes, I believe that that's one of the biggest things that every one of these women sitting at the table would like to do. Every one of the women want more people to know about what it is that they're doing, and they want increased visibility and growth. And I believe that any one of these businesses, especially the real estate and with everything that's going on in the different communities and getting the word out, um, especially with the ban the box movement, I believe that you want to get the word out about that because everybody knows someone who knows someone who knows someone that has had an, an, a run-in with, with the law. And everybody could use that information. So participating in any one of my free webinars or teleseminars. Uh, the last two recently that I did, one was about Instagram 101, and that's, the webinars and teleseminars that I do online, they're free. And anybody can get on there and you will learn something and you will get something from it. And you will learn how to gain more visibility via social media, build your social media audience, and all of that. So I believe that I have something that can help each woman that's here on the panel today. Excellent. So I want to throw it to Layla. I want to know, what is your involvement in the community? Because I know you attend a lot of functions, a lot of rallies, and different, <laughs> like, different things like that. So I'm sure there's stuff coming up. So what, how can people get involved? Oh, Wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm involved in a lot of stuff. I, I don't know when I have time to sleep, really. Uh, but um, Close Rikers, I'm really involved with Close Rikers. There's a lot of rallies and stuff. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, there was a campaign to have the mayor, Close Rikers. He recently 
<clears throat> announced that he was gonna do it, but it's in 10 years. And we don't think that that's, that that's too long, right? We want that to happen sooner. So we're still fighting and going to you know events, rallies and stuff and trying to re figure out how we're gonna, next steps. So if you can be a part of that, we'd really welcome all the support. And is there any radio shows, any web shows, anything that people, any Twitter pro platforms or Instagram platforms that people should be following so they can kind of be caught up to date on what's happening and rallies and, and things that's coming up? So um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's Lale, L-A-L-E-Y underscore zero one. I'm pretty good about posting much, all the stuff there. Um, and you can also follow the Close Rikers campaign on Twitter. They're, they always post stuff there. Mm -hmm. All right, so now we're going to move it on to Patricia. Since you're a millennial, right, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's your base, right? They love the bling and the yeah. bedazzled and, and all that good stuff, right? And they're into shiny things from what I see working with the kids. Definitely. Fashion is definitely a way to promote and bring awareness to your business. Right, so how are you working with the youth and your millennials um, about the causes that you're passionate about, but also maybe teaching them about entrepreneurship, starting a business, and that sort of thing? Well, since since um, I'm in my third year of business, we're going into my fourth, and since I've started, I've had some, you know, some of our friends ask me, after them seeing, you know, that I'm, I'm still sticking with it, I've had them, you know, ask me, well, how should I get started? What's the best way to go about it? And I just let them know, you know, I, I did a lot of research so when you when you when you um when you know something i think it's it's only right to spread spread your knowledge and help people you know you know yes start up and stuff <laughs> so i i have um i I, through my following, you know, I'll help either promote their business or if they're getting started, I'll let them know you know this is where I did my website at this is how this is um you know this is the licensing that I do it all depends on what what um whether they're starting a business that provides a service or a product like I have friends who are into fashion they make clothes I have friends who want to um who want to provide like services and stuff like um one of my friends she's a nail tech so it all depends on what they're doing but what what I what I um what I like most is that you um like you said about fashion my generation they're into fashion you could like when when i was thinking about it i saw your hat that says medellin yeah um like i have a lot of people who have come to me wanting me to put like their brands or their slogans like for band the box you could put that on a hat you could put it on a shirt people might not know what band the box is i didn't know what band the box was until you mentioned it and it made sense you know you want to band that box you have to check that makes you feel you know uncomfortable or, or might discourage you so stuff um you using my my business and my brand to help them whether it's a cause a business whether it's something that they do once a year if i can just make pieces or help them promote through what i'm doing that's that's something that you know that i can be hands on with so i've made shirts um one of my one of my cousins he's he's 
coming up in the music business. So I put his logo on shirts. I put his logos on pins. And when people see stuff like that, they ask questions, you know, when they see something that's eye-catching. Or they can see a bunch of people with it, and they don't even know what it is themselves, but they'll, they'll be intrigued by it because, because, um, because they see it everywhere. So um, using keeping up with fashion and, and just knowing knowing um knowing what's current because you know everybody's always on twitter instagram or facebook and stuff so just knowing knowing what the trend is is what helps me keep bringing awareness so if like the trend is hats for this season i'm gonna put everything on a hat you know i'll put your logo on a hat i'll put your calls on a hat whatever it is you're trying to whatever it is you're trying to bring awareness to i'll just find that product to um that's going to help get your word out cuz not everybody not everybody you know goes out looking for information so that's that's how I pretty much um do it <laughs> all right and to all the panelists that, that are here today I have shirts for them so we have the uh, black pill radio t-shirts for everybody so oh, they'll get nice. the bigger we're going to challenge Patricia to bedazzle <laughs> her shirt oh right? I definitely am <laughs> and, and then she's going to take a photo of that shirt and then we're going to have her post that Oh, um, yes. on her Instagram and tag everybody so we'll see see how that works out of course out. Um, and then we'll be selling the shirts on the website probably by the end of the week so anybody wants to buy a t-shirt and support what we do here on Black Pill Radio you guys can definitely do that so now I'm going to move the conversation on to Trisha I, I know that they recently announced that City Colleges are supposed to be free starting in in August right for anyone who makes un- any family who makes under 100000 something like that Um, So this is an opportunity for you guys who may not have the funding to go to college. You can now go to Mega Evers University and you can take the real estate course that Trisha teaches and and it'll teach you guys a lot about real estate. Um, So with that said, knowing knowing that people can actually go to school for free, um, would you advise them to do that? Or would you tell them to take the real estate courses, get certified or whatever, and just get into real estate that way? Well, my, my course is, is a course in order to get licensed. So it's not, it's through Medca, but it's through the ACE program. Okay. So I don't, I'm, I'm going to try to push to get that included into it. Um, as of now, I don't think it is included. But I mean, I always encourage people to go to college anyway. You see, the thing is, real estate is is my career, right? Um, I'm a community organizer. I'm a mother first, but I'm a community organizer. I'm a real estate professional. What I always tell people when people come to work for me, I always, the first thing I want to know is what are they passionate about? What is it that they want to do? So right now I have a student in my class who's homeless and she's taking the real estate course so she can better understand the system and what's going on. And she wants to work for me when she, when she finishes. And we spoke about it. And she's going to head my um, government housing program through my company. And, you know, I had a meeting in my office on Friday. And she came to me and she says, she says, Professor, Professor, I went and I, and I spoke to ho- all the housing counselors. I got all the forms. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with them. I'm finding out exactly the process of what the programs are and what they entail. And that's what she's passionate about, right? And she's going to college as well. She's, you know, so whatever it is, I have a young man. He's awesome. He's in my class now, too. He's 18 years old. 
He is going to MedGavers full-time. He's taking my course. He's interning at a courthouse in the housing department. And he's doing security. So I spoke to him, and I spoke to him actually last night, and he's very into community, really into community, um, may one day be a politician. So I told him, okay, he's interested in coming to work for me. I said, you're going to be the community person for my office. You're going to be at all the elected official meetings. You're going to be all the community boards. That's where you are going to let yourself be known. You see, in my office, I don't sell real estate. I help people achieve their real estate goals. Totally different. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not here trying to sell you a house. If I don't like the house, I'm not selling it to you. Many times I've gone into houses and the family says, I like this house. And I said, no, we, we can't live here. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean we? I said, no, we, this is not our house. So I, find, I help them find the house that they like or whatever their career, whatever their goal is. So that's why I like to take people who are, are passionate about a certain thing. So, you know, college, number one, my seven-year-old, she works in my office. <laughs> and she is a director of hospitality. I and I, I, did, I did career day in her, in her school um, this Tuesday. And I had her class, and she came up to the class, and she told her class that she is a director of hospitality at Real Estate Okana. So the <laughs> student said, what do you do? She said, I'm in charge of making sure everyone is happy. Oh, I have to make sure everyone has coffee, tissues, water, and she has her own desk and computer. <laughs> she does her homework there, of course, but that's her desk. And her, the student said, so what do you want to be when you get older? She said, I'm going to be a doctor. But mama said, I have to own all the medical offices. <laughs> so whatever you're passionate about, it can relate to Rate, relate to real estate in some way. That's good. So she, she mentioned a couple of things that I want to touch on, right? She talked about um, career day at the schools. I had an opportunity to do career day at Promise Academy, which is a charter school in the Bronx, and it's a great experience. So to, to those professionals out there who are engaged in running your own business, or if you know you, you work for a corporation, you should definitely think about career day at some of these schools. Um, so these kids who are in the public schools that are mainly black and Latino who are us, you know, they see us giving back as adults, as professionals, right? Some of these kids are walking on the block, and they're seeing the dice game, and they're seeing the basketball game, and people just hanging out. Um, when they come into the schools, they need to see different professions so they know that they can achieve these professions. Um, so it's very important to our audience to give back. Second thing is you mentioned that you're a mom, right? So everybody on this panel are moms. And I know three of you ladies are married. So I had asked a question last week to the mothers about financing and where, where's the role of the husband or your partner within financing, right? So you run this business and your business needs financing, it's expenses, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you invest in your business or purchase something new? Does the husband have a say? Do you discuss this with him? Um, is your money his money and vice versa? <laughs> or is your money just your money? I got some interesting answers last week. So I'm curious to know where you guys stand with this, and I'm going to start with Patricia first. <laughs> so, so, Patricia, in your business, yeah. right, do, do you and your, your husband talk about the finances, or are you just doing your own thing? Um, well, when I first started, uh, because what made me want to start is that uh, we were both going to be new parents, so um, 
I was like, you know what? I've been, because this all, my business started as a hobby, actually. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to turn it into a business because everybody was like, oh, you should, you, you know, you should sell the stuff you make. Stop making, you know, it's good to make them as gifts, but you should, you know, you should profit off of it. So I never really thought of the idea until we became parents. So I knew I wanted to stay home for the first year, and I knew I wanted to stay home and start a business. <laughs> so it's like, how do you start a business if only one person is working? So, you know, we talked about it, and and um, I was getting, you know, my maternity leave paid, but I knew I wasn't going to go back, so I had to really invest that. So between that and between, you know, him you know, encouraging me and telling me, you know what, it's okay, don't worry, stay home. He wanted me to stay home for the first year. It was just staying home, you know, raising a child and starting a business that's going to need finances is something that we, you know, we had to come and agree on. So I told him, you know, I told him pretty much what it was, and he supported it. And I also had help from, you know, my mom and stuff. So that allowed me to, to, um, to, to get the funds that I needed to start. And then it was just promoting. So I think him helping me through social media, promoting to, to get business so that we had some kind of income coming in so that I can keep investing was also a big role. But definitely starting up, I definitely had you know support from him, support from my mom and stuff, and I think that's that kind of helped. After the money started coming in though, it was, it was more like, okay, you know, you have, you know, he has, he had his career, his job, so it's like, <laughs> you have a steady income. You know, the money I make is small right now because I was just starting, so it felt good at times when, it, you know, we would go out and be like, I had my little PayPal card, and be like, don't worry, I got this. He was like, you got this? Like, yeah, you know, no problem. So, because it's not like I have a nine to five where I have a guaranteed check at the end of every week. I have to... I have to I have to make stuff, I have to promote it, I have to find an audience that actually wants my stuff, then I have to sell the stuff, then I have to pack the stuff, I gotta ship the stuff. So it's not like, you know, going to work and being able to do what you're told and then collect the check at the end of the week. You actually have to work harder for it. So we used to joke about that all the time. I'd be like, you could just go to work and come home. I actually have to be here and I actually have to, you know, get this stuff out the door so the money could come in. So I don't know. It's, it's, it, he, he was definitely supportive. And then when he saw that I was sticking with it and that I was passionate about it and that um, it was actually contributing to the household, you know, it kind of made it easier for it to be like, okay, you know, this was a good decision for, you know, for us to make. Because even though I'm the one running the business, he's the one who was, you know, oh, holding everything down for the first year because I didn't start going back to work to after. So after my daughter turned one, I started... Um, I went back to work, and then I started using the money I was making from work to keep investing in my business because sometimes this is a trial and never. Sometimes you'll invest in something, and it doesn't turn out it doesn't turn out right, and you make no money from it. Now you have to get more money to reinvest or find a way to, you know, bring that money back. So after the first year, I went back to work, and it was easier for me to really get things going. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And shout out to mom because I know your mom is listening to the <laughs> yes. show. Yes. Hi, and, mommy. <laughs> and it definitely takes a village, right? So we talk about that a lot. Yes, so that, it does. So that's very good. So I'm going to move it to Tricia. Um, same thing with you. I know you're a married woman. No, I'm not. Are not, you not I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not married anymore. But oh. I, I, I do it. I do it by myself, and I do it very well. Um, I have a seven-year-old. I have a one-year-old, and I have an eight-month-old. 
And um, I get up every morning and I take my seven month old, my seven year old to school. And people always ask me, like, how did you manage to lose so much weight? Well, I'm carrying a one year old on this hand. <laughs> And I have a car seat with an eight-month-old boy who is really <laughs> solid and strong on this arm. And, <clears throat> and you know what? I think, I think God set it up like that for me. Because I was raised as um, my mother was a housewife. So I always wanted to be a housewife. I always wanted to just stay home. And that's what I actually became. I became a housewife because that's where I came from. Um, and, and being in real estate, I don't have to get up and go to work every day. So I had more than enough money saved to, to be at home and take care of my partner. Um, but when my son was a month old, we separated. So I knew, you know, <clears throat> I was having a conversation with someone the other day and said to myself, I think God set this up like this because if <clears throat> we didn't separate my son being a month old, I would still be a housewife. Since my son has, since, since that has happened, I've relocated my office. My office was downtown Brooklyn in Cadman Plaza where Hillary Clinton is. I've now, um, I have my own office, a, a new office, which I have the sole building in East Flatbush, upstairs and downstairs, huge, beautiful office. I'm hiring about 30 agents. Oh, I became um, MWB certified, which was a goal of mine for 10 years, and I just got it. Mm. I franchised Real Estate O'Connor to New Jersey. I'm in the process of franchising to Florida, Georgia, California, and Pennsylvania. I already have Florida and, jo and, and, and Pennsylvania, and I'm, I'm resetting that up. I'm, I'm working every day. I'm working, you know, I do take Saturdays to just rest with my kids. But other than that, I teach real estate at Medgar Evers College. I'm flying all over. Department of Education wants me to teach for them. Um, I'm getting so many different uh, calls and opportunities for contracts, and I think my children just keep me stronger. I remember when my son, you know, he was a month old, he would be right up with me in the morning while I'm working, and I have like a buddy partner with me while I'm working. And he's, he's, a, he's a great baby. He doesn't cry unless he's hungry. So, you know, when some kids have colic, my daughter had colic, he, he, he didn't. And, 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 and they are what pushed me to go further. All right, that's interesting. So she's, she's a boss. So she's not answering to anyone. She's running her own thing. We're going to throw this to Layla. Yeah, I'm sorry. To She just mentioned something that reminded me. She, New Jersey. So I need everyone who's in New Jersey listening to us, and I need your help from New Jersey. So my friend, shout out to Kristen. Uh, Kristen Westervalli wrote an article in The Root that caught my attention. It's about um, a, uh, a Bill Brennan, who's running for governor, and this man is not getting a lot of uh, media attention because he doesn't have the money, he hasn't raised enough money, but he really wants to, everyone needs to go and check out his platform. He wants to literally free everyone <laughs> who has a low-level offense. He has an awesome platform, and I'm trying to get everyone to, and so I need your help too, to help elevate <laughs> my voice but because you're in jersey maybe you can also help me with Absolutely. that and everyone who's listening to us in jersey please check out bill brennan for governor um and check out his platform he wants to legalize marijuana he wants he, he his platform is awesome 
so please. <laughs> All right, sounds good. We got an endorsement. Okay, we'll, we'll work with that. So let's throw this to Tony because I know she's married. And we're going to talk about the finances, the household, and how that works, decision-making. Well, um, I couldn't do what I do without my husband's support. He is a very supportive person, and he's been supportive in a lot of different ways. Um, he's allowed me to be able to move around and maneuver, and he picks up where I may not be around. Um, as far as finances, I never had to answer to my husband for anything. Um, we keep our finances separate, and we have shared responsibilities in the household. When I married him, he made it very clear to me that he was a man, and he felt like he had to be the man and pay the mortgage, so he pays the mortgage, and he pays for a lot of the major bills in the house, and I also pay for a lot of the major bills in the house. Uh, I have two daughters, and myself, and that can be very expensive with two daughters, especially a teenager who loves lots of hair, two teenagers who love lots of hair, so those hair bills could be pretty big. But um, because I run my business as a passion business, I also work full time. And because I work full time, that also allows me to fund my passion business. And so I've used a lot of my resources, my personal resources to fund my business. But because my husband, my husband has never, he's never tried to count my money. He's never tried to control my money. He's never tried to control me at all. So I have a really good situation. And um, there's a lot to be said about that. All right, brothers. So we got two available women on the panel. <laughs> um, they bosses and they doing big things. So when I put these uh, links up, yeah, but you might but, but but I I think that's one of the main reasons why I'm by myself. I'm not gonna be like I, I need to be like that. I need to have a man that's gonna be like, nah, baby, I got you. Cause I feel I, you. <laughs> I, I, I can't do that. Like I can't. You can't mess with my money at all. I need some of your money. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no comment. All right. That's cool. So we're, we're gonna we're gonna move this along to to um, motherhood and business, right? So do you guys mentor anybody? And if any of you do, just tell me a little bit about that. I, I actually have students. Um, I have like one student in my class. She's a mother. She's a young mother. I, and, I, and I do have other mothers who just want to know, like, how do I do it? They always tell me that's the one question I get asked all the time. You know, one of my students, she came to class one day, and she had her baby in the stroller. She was waiting for her husband to come pick up the baby from class, so she was late. And I saw her at the elevator, and I said, girl, you better bring that baby in class. <laughs> and she looked at me like, so when I came in, one of my students looked and said, what are you doing with that baby? I said, listen, all the babies I have... If I don't have anyone to watch my baby, my baby will be right up in his class with mm -hmm. me. So, girl, you sit down mm -hmm. and let's get let's, and let's open the book and get to what we got to go, do. So, this is what I do. I just tell them, you know, how is it to maintain, you know, the the struggles, but the pros and and the motivation of the children. All right. And speaking of those struggles, does Mega Evers provide childcare services? Not that I know of. Because I know some do BMCC. Columbia does, but not for free. Not and for it's free? really, really expensive. Well, it's, it's Columbia. Columbia right? <laughs> so I think maybe that's a cause we can piggyback on is to get Mega Evers to try to open up some child care services. Because we know the community, it's a black college and we know the community is serving. And that's right. definitely needed. And that might help more women and men go back to school. 
you keep on like uh, things just things are popping in your head? yeah okay. so recently my band the box right so i was recently at the drug policy alliance conference in atlanta and it was in morehouse school of medicine i was beyond excited right i'm in this campus historically black college really super excited so i posted something about it online and oh I, I forgot to mention i'm also a member of the national council for incarcerated and formerly incarcerated women and girls so one of my sisters from the council posted on my video she's like leila do you do know that morehouse school of medicine does not accept formerly incarcerated students right how is that possible historically black college does not accept mm -hmm. under any no exceptions under any circumstances they do not accept that's awesome isn't it wow we we gotta look into that and check into that as well so and all of them have the box so but there's, so there's possibly two causes that we just brought up on the show right so we're looking at child care mega evers and just city institutions just citywide well, hunter has uh right I was and, a hunter and then we're looking at the band the box movement but how it His affects support. historically black colleges and universities um, when that, that's interesting. So, that's you know, really people out there, right? check into that, look into that, and, and let's see what's going on with that. Right, because we're the ones that are impacted. We're only 30% of the population. However, we're 60% of the population inside of prisons. So we're the ones that are being disproportionately impacted by mass incarceration. So I feel that this should be home to us, right? Like, they should be the first ones opening the door. How am I asking other institutions to remove the box when they're gonna say, well, you know, the historically mm -hmm. black colleges don't, they have it, and this one doesn't even accept it under any circumstances. So how is that possible? I, I, I don't understand it, it makes no sense to me. Well, that's, that's something we gotta look into. We got five minutes left, right? So I wanna go around the table, and I want you guys to share your journey a little bit, maybe in like a minute and a half, to how you got to this place but share it in the, in the context of context of how it can help young women, right? So I started here. This is who was my support system, or I didn't have a support system, but it didn't stop me from trying to reach my goals. I did A through Z, and, and this is how I got here, right? And if you follow this, it could possibly happen for you as well, right? So I'm going to start with Tony. Okay, I would say to anyone out there that's looking to achieve anything that they would use the philosophy of don't let what you don't have keep you from getting what you want. And that's been my theme throughout my career. When I first wanted to go to college, I initially wanted to go to Howard University. And when I spoke to my guidance counselor about that, one of the things she said was that you didn't take the SAT. And because you didn't take the SAT, you can't go to Howard because they require the SAT. And now it's too late. So I didn't let that stop me. I got accepted into Dillard University in New Orleans, so I decided to go there for my first year. But I went back to my local high school, got all of the paperwork, and I signed up for the SAT. And I took the SAT, and I transferred to Howard in my second year. And I graduated from Howard. I didn't think I was going to make it because it was really tough. And my mother and my father did not go to high school, so they could not help me. But I struggled through it, and I graduated, and I did very well. And after I graduated, 
I did what a lot of people don't do. I utilized my career services office and I got a job before I graduated working at the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey in their management training program. So I came up here and I knew my GPA wasn't that great to go to grad school, but somebody said to me, don't let what you don't have keep you from getting what you want. And I ended up going to grad school. I got my master's degree in creative writing, and I've always wanted to be a writer. I didn't follow the path that everybody was taking, go and get their MPA. I got a degree in creative writing, and I've written four books, and I've wow. con I continue to write books. And while I was working, I realized that I, w I used to get very nervous speaking in public, but I've I found the home base um, home-based marketing industry. I did that and I found my voice. I found my passion in teaching and training. And I realized that it was something that I loved to do, even more so than doing a business. And I had a lot of success in a home-based marketing business. And so I found my voice. I got into training. I started the Network for Women in Business as a passion business. And I, it wasn't even about me. It was about creating a platform for other people. And I ended up helping myself because I was helping other people. And I ended up getting educated because I was seeking to educate other people. And in every call, in every webinar, I was there. And so I tell people all the time, because like I said, this is my passion business, my full-time job. I run an internship for New York City Transit. It's a huge internship program, and I tell people all the time, you're going to work for someone, but always, always, always keep your passion in the forefront, because you never know when your passion business will turn into your profit business, and never let what you don't have keep you from getting what you want. Okay, excellent advice, and I'm gonna throw the next one to Tricia. I have a lot of support of my parents. I mean, my parents, you know, Nana and Granddad for my children. So um, they're very proud of me. And my, my father's in my office before I get there, cha changing the garbage cans and, and cleaning the windows and vacuuming. So I have a lot of support. Um, when I graduated from high school, in my yearbook, I wrote a, a quote that says, if you refuse to accept anything but the best, you very often get it. And I think that is something that has taken me in life in in, in business and in personal. Um, I, I speak at the National Association of Realtors Convention. I've spoken there quite a few times. And I've been in real estate for 18 years. So when I was first, when I was really, really young, and I would go to the conventions with you know, real estate uh, coworkers and, and, and my boss, I never imagined myself sitting on that stage. I never thought about it. And I never saw anyone that looked like me on that stage. It, so that never brought it to my mind that that was even possible. And one year, I, 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 I signed up and gave my proposal to speak at the convention. And they told me no. And that was a Friday. And 90 I, seconds. I wrote an email to the CEO and everyone there and told them that they were making a mistake and that there is no person of color on the roster and that my profile and my resume is enough to put me on there. And Monday morning, I got an email that says congratulations. And I ended up doing the convention and speaking in front of 1,600 people from across the country and the world on real estate. And in fact, when I got there, 
the, the person at the front door didn't seconds. believe that I was a, a speaker. They had to call someone to verify because she said, no, you're not. I stood on stage and told them that I was a speaker and everyone said, where is the speaker? But I, I did it. So I just say, don't give up. Whatever your dreams are, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Excellent advice. And we've got 30 seconds left on the show, so we're going to wrap it up. So the advice we got is pretty much pursue your dreams. Don't let anything stand in your way. Today we talked about some of the issues, which is child care at Mega Evers. That's something that came up. Ban the box and then ban the box at HBCUs. HBCUs is something that came up, and we have to look into that. We have more tech for women, supporting black businesses, home ownership, and supporting cancer, lupus, homelessness, and other ailments and things that are out there so we need to support each other support black businesses as always seconds listen to the black pill radio share support comment like and we will see you guys in two weeks when we have the mail panel hope all is well see you soon